a lot of us have that special someone or have had that special someone. And I find that special someones often have their own special language as well. And that special language often revolves around names. So for example, my bet is if you have that special someone, you have a pet name for them that you probably don't call too many other people, right? You, you know what I mean? I, I want you to kind of think of that name, and, and as you're kind of coming up with it, I, I'm going to share, like, like my wife, we, we've been together like 24 years. Am I getting the math right on that? It sounds right. It feels right. We'll go with it. 24 years married and dating a few years before that. It's kind of crazy sometimes when you think of how long you may have been with someone, and, and there have certainly been a share of names that we've shared between each other in that time. But within that, there's a, a collection of pet names, right? You have yours, don't you? By the way, as an aside, what I'd like you to do this morning is if you have that pet name, and if it's a good one, um, text your special someone right now. Just, hey, blank, you know, I love you, or something like that. I want, I'm serious, like no one is like actually moving to their phone and... Not that I expect you to move at the speed of light, but really, really do that. Really take that time this morning, and even if they're sitting right next to you, because we know that even though I can say, I love you, it's nice to get that note every now and then, isn't it? That car, that flower, even if it's orchestrated, even if it's forced, just take that moment and text them by that pet name, all right? Now, if you don't have a pet name, this is a brilliant time to kind of just make one up on the spot and just see where that goes. And, 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 and mad props if you get as creative as possible in doing that. There's three that I find myself by default calling my wife Tina. The first wasn't actually originated by me. It was originated by like Tina's best friend from birth. And it doesn't seem like much, but it was revolutionary for me. Tina's friend doesn't call Tina Tina. Tina's friend calls Tina T. And when I first came across that, it was revolutionary. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier because of course T-I-N-A is so cumbersome to pronounce in print, right? And so I find myself, and, and it's, it's come to take on an affectionate feel for me, often going from Tina just to T. All right? All right. The other two, and they're not original, but that doesn't mean they don't mean anything. I tend to be a sweetie or a honey guy. Guys, anyone here a sweetie or a honey guy? I find myself circling in those waters a lot, kind of instinctually, kind of without thinking, hey, sweetie, hey, honey. Now, does that mean that she actually tastes sweet? Well, wouldn't you like to know? Does it mean that she's literally covered with honey? Again, wouldn't you like to know? But they're just two terms that have kind of come up that now in a very twisted, warped way, I've also called my kids on occasion, but that I find myself 
calling her, you have yours, don't you? Pet names. They kind of signify something, even if, they, even if they're not original, even if they're shared by someone else. It's this, 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 this way of expressing closeness, endearingness. It's a way of just kind of sharing a subtle but soft yet intimate kind of connection. There's something even closer about a pet name than an actual name. Would you agree? To call someone by name expresses a sense of personal closeness, but to call someone by a pet name, it's even closer. Parents, think if your four-year-old were to start calling you by your first name. It would be odd to be sure. But when they call you something like daddy or mommy, not father or mother, the proper title for your relationship, but a pet name of their own making. Parents, how many of you have you witnessed this happen with your children, not towards you, but towards your parents? You know, it's the age-old question that every parent asks with the first child, what are they going to call my mom or dad? And what are they going to call your mom or dad? And how are we going to differentiate your mom or dad from your mom or dad? You know, grandma and grandpa on this side versus grandma or grandpa on this side? You know what I mean? And, and have you found how your kids just have their own way of finding that path of what they're going to call them? And that becomes the pet name because the pet name means something close. Now, God, we've been saying, is incomparable, unknowable, beyond our capacity to even figure out or wrap our minds around. And the scriptures themselves seem to declare that who can know the mind of God? Who can be his counselor? Who has given him wisdom? Who can even dare to dream what goes on in him or around him or of him? And yet this knowable God then this unknowable God then introduces himself to us. The story of the Bible is an incomparable, unknowable God making himself known and introducing himself by name. By name. Yahweh. Hi, I'm Yahweh introducing himself on a first name basis. A level of connection, no ability, but would you also argue relationship, right? That he invites us into with him. But can I ask you this morning, what's your pet name for him? Do you have a pet name for God? Or is it simply God? Lord. Or if you're feeling really daring and creative in your prayer life, Jesus. Or Yahweh. 
But can I ask, has your relationship with God gone beyond a first name basis to something even more intimate? Some of you may have it, but my suspicion is most of you don't. But I want to tell you, God has a pet name for you. I want to read to you from Isaiah today. We've been going through Isaiah, this amazing prophet of ages past with the message as relevant to us today as it was back then, speaking to the people of Israel in a time when they questioned their relationship with God, wondered how God thought about them, wondered if they even knew him and afraid, panicked even about it all, and this prophet Isaiah coming to them, speaking to them about the incomparable yet knowable God, the incomparable God who introduces himself by name and invites you to know him more. Listen to what it says, Isaiah 44. But for now, and I love it, dear servant Jacob. He calls him by name, but dear servant Jacob. Any of you got the yes, dear going on? That's never been my stream, but I get where it's coming from and I get what it means. No, my dear servant Jacob, listen. It says, yes, you, Israel, my personal choice. Yahweh, who made you, has something to say to you. The God who formed you in the womb wants to help you. Don't be afraid. Don't panic, dear servant Jacob. And here it is, Jeshurun, the one I chose. Have you found there needs be no logic to pet names? But here it is, Jeshurun, he calls them. Jeshurun, his pet name for the people of Judah. Jeshurun, his pet name for the people of Israel. And make no mistake, let me repeat the line of Isaiah again. Yahweh, who made you? You, his personal choice, yes, you, has something personal to say to you too. My Jeshurun, my beloved, my chosen one. Yeah, you, God, has a pet name for you. I think of even what Jesus has to say. Speaking to, to churches in crisis about how he will write their names upon a token that he puts in his pocket, upon a white stone, he'll write their names, he says. Something intimate, something dear, something held close. Yes, God holds you close and knows you in an intimate kind of way. He says, I will pour out water on the thirsty ground and send streams coursing through the parched land. I will pour my spirit into your descendants and my blessing on your children. They shall sprout like grass on the prairie, like willows alongside creeks, 
and this one will say, I am Yahweh's. Another will go by the name Jacob. That one will write on his hand, Yahweh, and be proud to be called Israel, it reminds me, I don't know if people do this anymore. Maybe you can help me out. Do people do this anymore? When they fall in love, when someone captures their heart and their imagination, writing their name over and over again in a notebook, scribbling it out in their notes or their books or whatever it has. Does this still go on? Do people still carve their initials in hearts on things? Do people still graffiti walls with things? Does, I, I'm serious. I don't know. I'm out of the scene. Does this still go on? Flashback 1980. I'm getting some affirmation. Good. Some things never change. It still goes on. Who has captured your heart? Who's captured your heart? And you write about it. You squirrel it. You, you put it in the hearts. You mark things with it. You draw on yourself. Some of you do it permanently with ink. One of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen was at an Arby's. And yes, that in itself was heartbreaking. <laughs> A woman who was working there, she was wearing like the golf shirt and up her, na- up her arm were a series of names, 12 to 15, with lines scratched through them <laughs> as they progressed up. And you do, you don't know if you want to laugh or weep because it's comical, but the heartbreak of a woman who was captured so much by someone that she would ink his name. And then the heartbreak that came when he didn't ink hers. But Yahweh has something to say. Listen to what the prophet says. I will write your name on my hand. I will ink it permanently. That when I work for all to see, you are the intimate one to me. God knows you by name. God has written your name And not just any name, not Mr. Gadini or even Dave, but the pet name that he has for you. Oh, never forget, God has got a pet name for you. God sits in the heavens, boring the angels, I swear to you, talking about you and gushing about you and graffitiing the walls of the kingdom with your initials and hearts. The pet name, but may I ask you again today, what's your pet name for God? I wouldn't be surprised if we were to find that God is far more captured with us than we are with him. That God's imagination is far more obsessive over us than ours is over him. Maybe I should broaden the question, what captures your heart? What is a period that you delight in? What is it that you find yourself thinking about, dreaming about, fantasizing about? What are those things 
that have come to mark you and identify you? What are those things, those gifts of God? And oh, make no mistake, they are. What are those gifts that you delight in? Make no mistake, these are good things, signs and tokens of the one who loves you. But how easy it is to start to replace the giver with the gift. And how often have we found ourselves loving someone more for what they give us or loving what they give us more than finding our hearts captured by the one who gives it. It's human experience. It's our way, isn't it? And isn't it the same way with God? And so Isaiah invites us to ask a question. It's a question that repeats through this book again and again. Who is like Yahweh? Who is like Yahweh? It will ask again and again. See, what it does is it invites us to pause. It invites us to pause and consider. It's not looking for a rushed answer. It's not testing you to see if you get this one on the exam right or wrong. It's, it, it's, it's inviting you to stop for just a moment, to dream for a little bit, to let your fantasies kind of start walking away with you. To go, who is like him, really? No, who is like him? Who is like him? Ponder that question. Ponder it today. Who is like him? Is there any like him? Who would you say Isaiah invites us to ask this question, to pause and to consider again and again. Because the very act of pausing to consider and wonder becomes an act of worship in itself. It becomes an act of worship because it becomes an act of not devotion, but intimacy of love, of fantasy, allowing our hearts to be captured again, allowing us to dream, to not just walk blindly by, knowing we're loved and experiencing the gifts, but to consider that there is one who has a pet name and asking us to start to dream. Ours for his, what is your pet name for God? What is it about him that you love, that drives you wild, that makes you warm, that captures him? Who or what do you call him? In the secret place, Who is like Yahweh? Who, it's the invitation of a God who loves you today. 
There's a famous line by Martin Luther that's always struck me when I think about the things that capture my heart, those for whom I have pet names. The line is simply, whatever it is that captures your heart and that you entrust yourself to, that is your God. Because God is what is most important to you. God is what lights you up above all others. God is what stirs in your soul and defines you. And make no mistake, doesn't it kind of come really clear right away that we in fact probably have many gods and often have gods that are far above Yahweh? But unlike that woman with the lines through the names, God does not strike yours. Even if your heart is captured by another. But he stops and asks you to consider. To consider loving him. And delighting in him as much as he does in you. Yahweh, King of Israel, your Redeemer, the God of the angel army says, I'm the first. I'm last and everything in between. I'm the only God there is. Who compares with me? Who? Speak up. It's not me, it's him. Speak up. See if you measure up. Can anything compared to Yahweh from the beginning, who else has always announced what's coming? So what is coming next? Anyone want to venture a try? Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Haven't I always kept you informed, Yahweh says, told you what is going on. You're my eyewitnesses. You know me. Have you ever come across a God, a real God, other than me? There's no rock like me that I know of. So let me say it again, don't panic. Don't be afraid. Above all conversations I have with people of God, what I see most is that the biggest point of panic, the thing that makes them most afraid, is that God, is that God will cross out their name. Oh, they might not put it in those terms, but that God is through with me. That God has put me on the shelf. That God has given up on me. That there is something broken between God and me that can't be mended. That God will not forgive me.
I feel the guilt too much. That God hates me. I feel it burn too much. Or that God dislikes me. Or is disillusioned with me. That God will judge me. That God will cast me out. That God will bar the way for me. That God will sabotage me. That God will condemn me. Oh, listen to Isaiah, don't panic. Don't be afraid, Jeshurun, whom I love, who I fantasize about, who I know in the most intimate way. I love you. He says, I forgive you, I write your name. And I ain't scratching it out. May you delight in the God who delights in you the same way. Hold on to that, you. You, when you start to wonder and doubt, hold on to that. Hold on to the promise of a God who loves you.